listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. You know, this is not my normal cup of tea. So um, I'm a teacher um, and a coach, you know, and now... I kind of put that all aside now. I'm an assistant principal, and <laughs> I have no clue what I'm doing, so that's great. <laughs> and, and I'll say this, this morning, I don't really know what I'm doing either, but I know that God's given me something to share with you this morning. And, you know, the, the main thing here is if you're reading the Word, that's enough. The Word in itself is enough. I can't add to it um, anything that's going to be, you know, just this aha moment or anything like that, but the Word is enough by itself. And I'm so thankful just for the opportunity when Mark asked me a couple of weeks ago, hey man, you want to preach on the first? And I said, yeah, I'll do it. And I think I kind of shocked him. <laughs> you know, I think they may have had the conversation, him and Steve, hey, won't you ask Adam, you know, or one of the other guys to lead? And, and then I come walking in, he goes, all right, well, I'll do it. And, and I said, yeah, I didn't even hesitate. And I think he was just kind of like, okay, all right, well, let's do it then. I'll put you down for August 1st. And um, no, but I'll say this, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, it, it's, just get ready. Anchor down. I'm going to share what I, wanna sh- what I feel like God's laid in my heart to share this morning. And really, it goes back to my mission trip in Spain. Um, you know, in Spain, when you get there, you're tired, you're jet lagged. Um, and there, they don't go to sleep till about 1230 at night. And then you're in a cabin or a tent or teepee with a bunch of grown men that snore, and you don't get much sleep. So, But God gave me the opportunity every morning to wake up about 6.30 or so and get in his word. And that was so refreshing for me. Um, and one of the guys that I was serving with, I just told him, I said, man, this is what I've been wanting to do. I said, it's, it seems like it's just so easy here. I can get up even though I'm only getting five and a half, six hours, and I can dig into this word and allow God just to speak to me. Um, Sometimes I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to read this morning? I have no clue. But he'll give me something. And and so this morning, that's what I'm going to do, is I'm going to share just some things that God's kind of shown me. Um, I'm not quite to the point of application yet. Okay, how many of you have ever been there, right? Um, I'm doing my best, and I'm going to work towards that. Um, but I want to start with the passage from John, uh, chapter 15, 1 through 8. And I want to read that passage, and then we'll pray, and then we'll just dig in and get started. So, uh, reading the passage out of John, um, starts out, says, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Now, I'm a King James, New King James guy when I do my studies, and I love the word husbandman. That's what it says in the King James, is the husbandman. So, today I'm going to refer to the scriptures, and I'm going to use the word husbandman, and we'll get to that in a minute. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. 
and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, in light of your word. Lord, we thank you so much. Father, this, this book is, it has so many answers, Father. And we are thankful for your spirit that guides us, Father. And Father, that you open our understanding this morning, Lord, as we read the word, Father. And we look at several passages of scripture this morning, Father. I just pray that you move through us this morning, Father, and, and show us what it is that you want us to learn from these scriptures, Father. I think it's pretty black and white here, Father, and you've given us an opportunity, Father, as believers to go out and to come in this morning victorious, Father. And we're going to look at how to do that, Father, and given the game plan that you've given us, Father, and we are thankful for this Bible, this Word, Father, because you are the Word, Lord, and we love you, and we thank you so much for your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to be jumping around quite a bit. So, not actually jumping around, and I don't know whose coffee this is, but I'm going to move it because I have a feeling I'm going to kick that thing over. So, uh, this morning we are going to we're going to look at a lot of scriptures, and and I think that's like I said, that's enough by itself. But I want to kind of reflect back on the past few weeks. Um, I thought Fredo did a great job, you know. Um, Steve filled in the gap last week, and we'll talk more about that in a minute, Steve. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, Fredo spoke out of Matthew 7, and he, he went from verses 15, and he went on. And in the first part, it kind of reflected back on my, my thoughts that kind of stood out to me, which led me to John 15, was the fact that he said, you will know them by their fruits. And he said, obviously the word says, beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing. Every good tree bears good fruit. Bad trees bear bad fruit. So kind of I'm going to reflect on my life through this um, sermon this morning. Then the word goes on in verses 21 through 23. It says, not everyone shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father. And then Steve came in last week, talked about building on the rock and the importance of that, of being a hearer and a doer. And that was out of James that he reflected on. So whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So that's kind of where I am today. I want to take those passages there and kind of build on that and look what it is to be known by our fruits. For me, I'm going to be honest with you, I grew up small town. We had a garden and Russell, those peppers, wherever you're at, Russell, he's out there. He's protecting us. We'll talk about protecting in a minute. We had gardens growing up and I can remember I couldn't wait to the day I could actually plow the garden, use the tiller, and it was the old heavy one. It wasn't the one that just kind of runs itself. It was a lot of work, and the engine would get so hot, you could almost roast marshmallows on it. But I remember us growing up working that garden, and I don't know, for whatever reason now, I can't garden for nothing. My wife and I, we've tried many, many times to, you know what, let's plant some tomatoes this year. Let's try this. Let's do some squash. And I'm going to tell you, it just, it dies. It burns up. So we're doing something wrong. So Russell, we may come to you later, figure out how you can grow those cayennes. If you can do that, maybe you can teach me. Um, so this morning, I'm going to look at this 
passage. Uh, it's known as the true vine. So there's a few things I want to look at. The true vine, the husbandman, and what the job, what the role of that is. Obviously, um, I'm going to start with the first thing right out the gate. And it says, I am the true vine. Christ calls himself a vine because the vine imparts to its branches sap and other productive qualities. So Christ infuses into his followers his divine strength and life. Verse 5, it says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him beareth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So the key to this, this is very simple. This is not some aha moment for many of you. If you're here and you don't know the Lord, I hope this is an aha moment for you. This is an opportunity for you to go, you know what? Here's the answer that I'm looking for. Without Christ, you can do nothing. Amen? Then it goes on. I want to talk about the vine. What's the point of the vine? Why does he say, I am the true vine? While I was doing some studying, I kind of looked it up. I was like, you know what? Why does he say true vine? Boom. Right there, looked at my study notes. Went to this scripture, went to that scripture. Obviously, it goes to the Old Testament. The vine in the Old Testament referred to Israel. And we know a lot about Israel, right? And we know that they weren't very fruitful. They were not very fruitful. So Israel's failure to produce fruit issued a divine judgment. Therefore, Jesus tells you that he is the true vine. And we are to remain in him and produce much fruit for God. Now, the second part of that passage is husbandman. What is a husbandman or a vine dresser? Kind of a little Mac Mahon definition here. <laughs> a tiller of the soil, like I talked about the tiller. A husbandman is a tiller of the soil, a vine dresser, a land worker. Any individual, male, female, boy, girl, is a husbandman. An individual that has been given stewardship over a garden. And so what we're going to look at is our garden this morning. What is our garden? Well, the one thing we got to know right off the gate is there's two responsibilities of a husband. A husbandman is to work and protect that which he's been given. And for me, I had to really reflect on that. So when I'm in Spain, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what does my garden look like? What is my garden? So I just jotted down a few things. Your garden, it could be first and foremost, the one that we've been given first and foremost is our heart. We're to work, we're to sow good seed, right? And we are to protect, we're to prune, and we, we allow the Holy Spirit to do that for us. It could be our marriage. That could be a garden. Our family could be a garden. Our finances could be a garden. Our kids, our children could be a garden. Our workplace can be a garden. We have many, many gardens. And sadly, I think the world tries to corrupt that. They want to take what's good and make it bad. And they want to take what's bad and make it good. And we have to discern from that. And we get bombarded with so many, so many things in our lives from Facebook to TikTok and all the other social media apps out there. Not only that is our hustle and bustle of our life. Man, we get over, overworked, underpaid, right? No, I'm, I don't want to say it. I don't want to go there. I'll start meddling then. 
So let's look at the garden. And I want to focus mainly on the heart this morning. So I could sit here and we could talk about all the other things. And I may slip a few in. But we're going to focus on our heart and how we work and protect our heart. Mark chapter 4. What are we sowing? How do we work? Mark chapter 4. He who sows the word, hears the word, accepts it, beareth much fruit. Now, let's read that passage there so you, won't, you, you know that I'm not just summarizing a bunch of muck here. So it says in verse 14, The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Key point right there. Focus on that, underline that word, or un- underline Satan right there. Soon as that word sometimes, guys, gets planted in our, we try to plant it in our hearts, Satan's going to come and he's going to distract us. He's going to take it and he wants to destroy our lives. We have to protect. We'll look at that here in a minute. So when we work, think about sowing those seeds. Uh, Verse 16, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and beareth much fruit. And I think when you hear the word and you accept it, that's when you apply the faith portion of that. I could go on and we could read Matthew 25 with the parable of the talents. When you see different varying results of fruits where the faithful servants there use their gifts and their resources responsibly and they're rewarded. We have been given much. We have been given gardens that we need to take care of and we're going to focus on the heart. We have to view our heart and life like we would a garden. That we've been given management over. In which I said earlier that it's the first thing we were given to manage. Okay? Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence. Another version could say, guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. Now what am I saying there? What is the Lord saying? And I love this quote. I can't recall who said it, but I wrote it down a long time ago in my notes, and I pulled it out for today. If you don't want it in your life, don't plant it in your heart. Think about that and write it down. If you do not want it in your life, don't plant it in your heart. Or vice versa. If you want it in your life, it must be planted in your heart. Right? Now, this is not me coming out with some prosperity gospel, and if I'm going to claim I'm going to get a million dollars next week. We're not talking about the prosperity side of things, okay? But we are focusing on sowing. We're focusing on working. How do we work and how do we sow good things in our lives? Galatians 6, verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man soweth, that he will also reap. In Hebrew, the heart is the location of all knowledge, right? It's the source of our decisions, and guess what? Your heart is who you are, and it directs your thoughts and emotions. I can't help but think of that little song that we used to sing when I was growing up. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Yeah. 
it's important that we think about that text. I know it's such a simple nursery rhyme or whatever, but I'm going to be honest, there's a lot of truth to that. A lot of truth and a lot of conviction is coming through me this morning and through preparing this. And Brittany, I know you're probably going to remind me of this, but, you know, I, I can't help but think about how much time um, I spend on this, this bad boy right here. I got an update this morning that said, uh, you're up such and such percent. You spent five hours a day. I sleep for at least eight hours, right? Yes, I spent five hours a day. I averaged five hours a day on that. Now, I'll say this. My kids, I'm going to be honest with you, when I get overwhelmed, hey, get this phone out and put on some Vlad and Nikki and let them watch it and those kinds of things. But I can't tell you how much time was that actually me doing that, but I'll be honest with you, that's way too much. Way too much. So what kind of seed are we sowing in our hearts? Be careful, little eyes, what you see and what you hear. And don't forget that. Are we sowing to please God? Are we sowing to please God? In other words, do we have good fruit? Or are we sowing to please Satan? Bad fruit. Sometimes we do things and we think it's God. And I'm going to give you an example. Brittany, you might want to leave the room on this one. So I had a... Brittany and I were newlyweds, pretty much. And I, do you remember the vehicle that you had, the white one? One that we really liked. What, what kind was it? Xterra. Nissan Xterra. Man, I tell you what, we're going to go out. I'm going to get my wife this ride. I don't remember the payment. We only had one income. I was doing like part-time things. Not a smart decision. But it was just, we showed up and boom, there it was. It was the perfect ride. She dreamed about it. I'm like, well, God, you're doing this. You're making this happen. And there's a little thing called patience and, and waiting for the Lord and discernment and praying that we didn't really take into effect, right? So we bought this thing. We bring it home. Now, I had a cool hoopty. It was a cool hoopty. It was an old 1993 GMC four-wheel drive, big tires, brush guard on the front. I mean, I was a dang cowboy. You know what I'm saying? I said dang, didn't I? I told you I was going to say something this morning. Dirt gummit. No. Man, I should have, no, I shouldn't have bet. You're not supposed to bet, right? My bad. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm we bought this Xterra. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. It was sweet. Did it have a sunroof? It had a sunroof. Oh, my, I'm so sorry, honey. We should have, no, we shouldn't have ever bought it. We bought this thing, and she drove around maybe six months, maybe. <laughs> I'm gonna, let me get over here and take some communion real quick. Uh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Why did we do that? But I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to apply it here. We're going to apply this thing. So, to fix the situation, okay, Lord, you showed us the error in our way. We should wait on you, and we should, you know what? Let's go make this right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, we go to a, uh, a local place that sells Fords. I won't say the name in East Texas and Tyler. Um Nothing but Fords, unless it's used. We go there, and you know what? We're going to, let's get you what we need. We'll get you what we need. By golly, my truck, it's barely running. We'll, we'll make it work. We go in there, we find a Ford Focus. Still got the sunroof. 
We're going to drop that payment to like 200 and something dollars a month. I mean, we're cutting it in half. We're like, oh, this is great. But what about you, honey? What about you? You don't, you know, your truck's barely running. I'm like, oh, no, that's fine. I'm a man. I'm a man. I'm going to work it. I'm going to get in there, and I'm going to get in there and start ripping stuff out and replacing and all that, right? Well, then I start to leave. You know, we're about to leave, and all of a sudden there's this truck sitting there. (laughs) Same color as my wife's Ford Focus that we're about to buy. Ford Standard, which I love Standard. I love to drive Standard. I'm sitting there looking at this truck. She's like, oh, my gosh, honey. And that guy's like, well, let me tell you, we just got that thing. I guarantee you right now we can make this thing happen today. You can walk out here for the price that you were paying for that exterior. We can get both of them cars. I'm like, two for the price of one? Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. You did it again. You did it again. You... Totally redeemed yourself. No, sorry, movie quote, dumb and dumber. Um, so we did. We bought. Kids, listen to me. You open your ears, okay? Insert nose in book and do what it says, okay? Do what it says. We bought two Vic. We left, and we're, we're like racing home, you know? We're like, we're, we're dead. We got two vehicles for them. We we forgot we still couldn't afford that first one, right? (laughs) We thought, oh my goodness, Ford Focus, Ford is taking care of us. They love us. They they're doing it right. They care. They dude even prayed. Are anybody car salesmen in here? Before I, before I dig it, if you're listening online and you're a car salesman, turn it off for about two minutes. Oh, my goodness. I cannot believe we did that. We did it. And we came out of it. We came out of it. And, and by the way, uh, the guy did give us a pretty good deal. It was so good that he got fired for giving us that deal. And he wasn't employed when we had to go back. You remember that? Yeah, he wasn't employed there anymore. And I was like, well, crap, no evidence. Gosh, we're stuck. Oh, man. So what are we doing? Sometimes we make decisions thinking it's a good thing that's godly. And, and guess what? We'd made the decision because that's what we wanted. We didn't seek him for counsel. And we didn't allow the Holy Spirit to go, you know what? Hey, good, bad, okay? And why, do, why not? Because, I, like I mentioned earlier, everything's so fast-paced. We get this, we go here, we eat, boom, we get fast food, blah, blah, blah. We want things now. Before I got married, a guy told me, he's in counseling, he said, man, young couples want what it took their parents 30 years. They want it all right now and that's a scary thought because the world's not getting any better it's not getting kids listen to your moms and your fathers it's important so we are to be fruitful we are known for our fruit like fredo talked about we are known for our fruit now a good place to start if you want to look at okay what does that mean what's the fruit i always like using the whole fruits of the spirit right um but with that, you know, you, you kind of have to have some discernment on that and what it looks like. And I'm not gonna, for, the, for time's sake, I'm not going to read the whole text here. I'll just summarize the fruits of the Spirit. Many of you know it. Uh, depends on which version, how they say it. But I just wrote them down. Love. You're going to be known for love, right? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Five hours on my phone last week, I averaged. I didn't have much self-control. 
I wasn't taking care of my garden the way I should. Because God told me to take care of my heart first. I can promise you right now, when I got through in Facebook last week, at some point in time, I, I read something that made me mad. <laughs> made me think about something. Okay? I saw something that made me jealous. Going, man, why can't I go to the beach? You know? Anybody go to the beach last week? I wasn't talking about you. <laughs> wasn't talking about you. But there was envy. There was jealousness. There was me going, man, I wish I could go buy two new vehicles. <laughs> so, love, joy, peace, patience, etc. If this is evident in our lives, if this isn't, sorry, if this isn't evident in our lives, how are we supposed to go out and come back in victorious every day? We need to really reflect on what that passage of Scripture and what it looks like. What does it look like to have love? I mean, think about the loss. Think about this empty, um, near empty uh, church building this morning. Now, I know people are on vacation, things like that. But, man, wouldn't it be awesome if the loss were coming in because they saw something this week in our lives? They're like, I want to know what it is, and I want to be a part of what you're a part of. I want to be a plugged in. I want to abide in what you are abiding in. If these fruits are, are oozing out of our walk, why would any lost person want if they're not oozing out of our, our lives, why would any lost person want what we have? Um, I think many times in my life, um, this is a self-reflection this week. I kind of, I made a note. And I was like, you know what? Sometimes I'm a consumer of life. I go through routines. Um, in other words, I'm not working that seed. I'm not working. I'm a consumer. I've been there when I, I just worked, came home, hung out with the family, go to church, worked. You know, I do the same thing over and over. What? That's not any different than the world, <laughs> okay? That's not any different. What makes it, what, what do I do that stands out that's going to bring glory to God and people are going to go, man, I, what is it about you? There's something, there's something, man. I want what you have, which gives me an opportunity to obviously share what God's given me. Sometimes we just get comfortable with just becoming a seed planter. Now, think about, I don't want to, I'm not being judgy or anything like that. This is just me going, how many times have I go, <sighs> it's always easier to witness the kids. Me being a teacher, a coach, man, I can use things and I can, man, I can minister to children. I can do that. But it's older adults that I know that are lost. I sometimes settle for just being a seed planter. Well, I just, you know, I, I, I just want to be the example, you know. I'll just plant a little seed. You know, the Lord, the Lord taught me this this week, you know, instead of going, hey, do you know the Lord? Now, I'm going to give my wife props here. I've witnessed her do something so hard one time. And I remember laying in the, the room next door. I think I may have had one of the kids trying to get him to lay down for a nap. She goes in and she witnesses to her grandfather who's lost, who doesn't know the Lord. And she cried as she's telling him, and as she's asking him, pleading with him to accept this awesome gift. And he told her and he looked at her and he said, I just, I don't really believe that. I'm a good person, and he is. He is such a good person. But I watched my wife plead 
and beg him. That's faith. That is such a faith. That's not just being a seed planter. She sowed in him. And she sold and she told and she really, really worked hard. And she, she did not deny the spirit. She moved and she went and she did. For most of the time, I just go, hey, I'm a seed planter. And that's a great opportunity. She reflected Christ there. And that's, a, that's always stood out in my mind. So, Brittany, I love you for that. I'm thankful for that. So with that word love brings me to the next point. Well, the first fruit of the spirit was love, right? So what does that look like for us? And we're sowing good seeds and, and we're thinking, all right, let's work our garden and protect it. Love. What comes to my mind is relationships. And in this church, I'm going to be honest with you, if you miss the opportunity for relationships in here, that's on you. Because I'm going to tell you right now, there are so many people in here that are honest and genuine. They're going to come up and they're going to greet you. And they're going to give you every opportunity. Clint's going to come up here and he's going to read the announcements and give you opportunities to get plugged into this church, this body. Many times we overlook that, but I'm going to be honest with you. We have opportunity to have godly relationships. We have opportunities to form life groups where a group of believers get together and they're able to work with each other and sow and talk about God's word and share life experiences with each other. And we have how many life groups, Clint? I was thinking five, but six. Okay? We have six life groups to be a part of. What an opportunity to develop relationships. Now, the ultimate relationship we need to be sure we take care of is ours with the Lord, right? How do we do that? We got to read this word, we got to pray, we got to be fruitful, right? I have a quote. This is from James McMinnis, a guy that I love to hear preach. Um, not because he's just this great speaker. We've had plenty of those to look at. He's a great speaker who preaches on conviction, and you can just tell that he's anointed, and he really cares for his, uh, his church, his body of believers that he, he gets to preach to. He says this, The quality of life will never go beyond the quality of our relationships. I'll say that again. The quality of life will never go beyond the quality of our relationships. You know, the cross points to our relationship to God, right? That, that provides that path to him. But the cross always goes out too, right? And that's the relationships. Relationship to God, relationship to others. Relationship to others. So let's look at, we've looked at working. Let's look at protecting. We have to protect. I have to protect my family. And I promise you I have some, turn this internet off real quick. I have guns at the house, so if anybody wants to mess with the Mac Mahons, you're going you're gonna to feel the wrath, right? <laughs> Main thing here is we've got to protect our garden. We have to protect it, and guess who wants to steal it? Satan. When that seed's planted, he wants to come and steal it. And I love the passage of Scripture in Psalms where <laughs> I had this picture of this, this feast, right? In Psalms 23, it talks about, you prepare us a table before me, and the enemies are just kind of gathered around looking, okay? And I had a cool video of a, a raccoon, and I think it was a cat. A cat was sitting there, and this raccoon was looking. He's just, they're looking at each other, they're eating, you know, and he's eating. And then all of a sudden, you look under the porch, it's just these hands coming up and grabbing one. It was another coon underneath the porch stealing food. And that cat looked and kind of 
pat at it, you know. I thought that was the funniest thing. If I could have got that thing going, that would have been awesome. Clint Carr, if you're listening, I should have had you put it in there, man. It would have been hilarious. But Satan, he wants to take, okay? We have to protect it. Now, how do we do that? Number one is we need to stay plugged into the source. We have to abide. God gives us the game plan in John 15, okay? Uh, Verses 3 and 4 says, Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. The word, keep that in mind. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So to protect our garden, we have to stay plugged in to God, to the source. Okay? And the good thing is, is the word is where we find most of our answers. When the Holy Spirit convicts us, intercedes on our behalf. What a great picture. We have a helper in the Holy Spirit. You can't be in this word and your life not be fruitful. God tells you right there in that passage that the, the, the word is what prunes our life. In Isaiah 55, 8 and 11, I'm going to do it in summary because of time here. Write that scripture down. If you go back and read it, it's nothing new. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void. I love the first verse there. In verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. His word will not return to him void. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Man, the word is powerful, right? How do we protect our garden? We have to work, we have to sow, and we have to abide in him, in his word. And just like Steve talked about, we have to be hearers and doers. Hearers and doers. Where's that out of? It's James chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Thank you, Steve, for preaching so boldly last week about being bold enough to hear and do and having that foundation of the rock. 1 John 2 and 6 says, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Who are we talking about? Jesus, right? Do not love the world, verse 15, or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, this brings me back to Spain. I'm going to jump back just a little bit. One of the verses I come across, and I've read this chapter so many times in my walk. I've, I've heard many sermons over this, but something stuck out to me in this passage. Romans 12, 2. Many of you could probably quote it right now. Steve, if I asked you, you could probably quote it, right? Confirm. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Oh, my. What, what a word. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. How do I know it's God's will? I'll tell you right now. I bought those two vehicles. That wasn't God's will. Now, he used that, pardon my word, stupid decision 
to show me and to teach me and to prune me and to teach me, hey, be patient. <laughs> I'm not very good with that. But what's the perfect will of God? The main thing here is, and I got a few points you can write down. If you want to transform your mind, you got to do it by prayer, a reading of the word, but not just reading, reflecting on God's word, doing, putting it into action. I think to transform your mind, you need to worship God daily. Joel did a great job of leading us in worship. Goodness of God, what a song. Meditating on God's acts. Think about the blessings he's blessed you with. Meditate on those and tell him. Tell him how good he is. And allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and use what Jesus said he was going to give us. A helper. He gave us a helper. And in John 14, 26, this is where we get the helper. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Sometimes we don't know what to pray, and that's okay. There's a scripture for that too. I think it's in Romans 8, possibly. We're weak. We don't know what to pray. Allow the Holy Spirit to intercede on your behalf. Sometimes when we pray, we just need to listen. Sometimes we need to listen. Well, golly, Mac, I ain't got no time. I work, I get up, I work, I got 50 kids. I come home, I'm tired. When am I supposed to do all this? That's where we got to check our hearts, right? We got to see where we're at. Yes, I'm convicted. Yes, I'm trying to get up early in the morning to start my day off right so that I can go out and I can come back in victorious. I keep saying that, and that comes out of First or Second Kings, and it's talking about Solomon. If you remember, Solomon was a young leader who had no clue what he was doing. And he asked the Lord, Lord, I don't know how to go out and come in victorious. I don't know what I'm doing. And he asked him, he asked God for help. And God said, you know, since you didn't ask for riches and all these other things, he said, I'm going to give you understanding. I'm going to give you wisdom to be able to run. What a reflection. We have to go out and we have to come back in victorious. And the Spirit allows us. It fills in the gaps for us. I don't understand the word either. My wife come home, came home yesterday, and I know I'm getting a little long-winded, Clint. I apologize. My wife came home yesterday and said something. I was like, oh, my that makes so much sense to me because I'm a coach and I prepare and I always got real jealous of those teams that really didn't watch film and prepare. They just had what we call the Jimmies and Joes. <laughs> and I go in there and I'm prepared. I can tell you what they're doing on every out-of-bounds set, every play. I can tell you who's screening who, who the shooter is and all that. And they've got guys that are sitting on the, on the bench and they're beating me 20 because they got, they got the cats. They can go out there and get the job done. I struggled with that, you know. She said something yesterday. She said, man, so many times, and this is not a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but because this is, God's going to use whatever outlet, whatever source he can. Um, and if we are obedient, he will, he will speak to our hearts. And I totally believe this. But she said something about, you know, we open our, our uh, what do you call the Bible, version app, whatever it is. And we get the little Bible story, you know, someone 
um, prepared and you read it and it takes you about four minutes. You read it and then it speaks to you. And that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. But you kind of miss that opportunity instead of, you know, just taking their words for it and that be it. And you done go about your day. Well, I checked the box. I'm, you know, I did my Bible study for the day or whatever. You know, what about reading that passage and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you and to maybe show you, maybe give you an opportunity to reflect? So I thought, man, when I do my studies, why not take a few extra minutes and just pray and say, hey, open my understanding. Let me dig into the Word. Because that person that prepared that probably slaved over, what would y'all say, like 20 days or something, you know, before they ever wrote it. And they labored over that verse, and God showed them, and then they shared it with you, which is what we are to do, share it with the world, right? So the Spirit, it indwells believers, it seals, it protects, it empowers us, it helps us in our weakness, and it intercedes on our behalf. And the best thing about working and protecting our garden is, garden is because God is our refuge and our strength. He is our very present help in trouble. With God, all things are possible. We know that, and you've heard that. So in closing this morning, I'm sure I jumped all over the place, chasing rabbits like I normally do. In closing, Jesus is the true vine, and God is the husbandman. God has endorsed us with the stewardship of taking care of our garden. As husbandmen, we are to work and protect our garden so that we can go out and come back in victorious. If we are fruitful, like in verse 8 says... We are his disciples, and God is glorified. And next, next portion of worship today is, is known as communion. In Psalms 23, like I mentioned earlier, the Lord prepares us a table in the presence of our enemies. Satan's there a lot of times, and he wants to destroy what we've planted. He wants to destroy those good things that we are sowing, and we're trying so hard to do and to, and to protect. So we have to put on that armor of God daily. I know that the message today was just scratching the surface. I get it. Especially scratching the surface to be able to abide in Christ and to work and protect what God has given us, what God has given me. Satan, like I said, wants to mess that up. Sometimes we operate in a way that does please Satan. Sometimes it's subconsciously. We don't know until later. Sometimes I drop my guard as a husband and a father, and I fail. My goal today was really to encourage us to fight the good fight and understand the importance of working and protecting our gardens in life. We are the light of the world. And I pray that we as believers have a perfect father, of course. We know that. And he equips us with everything that we need. He's going to allow us to shine in darkness and give people a hope and a reason to come into these four walls on a daily basis. And the greatest thing of all is the ones that come in are going to be able to partake of a life-changing Father and they're going to hear the gospel, not watered down. And that's what I love about this church. They're going to hear of a Father who sent His Son to die in their place. I pray that right now we examine our lives. Think about your gardens. Is there any unconfessed sin? Are there any relationships that we need to mend? I ask that we just submit these failures to God where we fail at times. 
and give him glory for the times where we succeed and we produce good fruit. And it wasn't what we did. It was the Spirit moving through us that allowed that to happen. And let's praise him for that this morning. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.